Hola, hola. It's your girl, Erica, from America. Welcome to the Confidence Chronicles podcast. This podcast is all about helping you stand in who you are. Stop giving a fuck what people think about you. Start standing as your fully expressed self. As you are, as is, there is no filter needed. You are fucking awesome. And I am here to remind you. I'm a confidence coach and I'm a bold stand for confidence. And I cannot wait to dig into today's episode with you. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Oh my goodness. I have the most incredible guest today on the podcast. I have to tell you this because this woman has the most amazing story that some of you maybe think would be very traumatic and it evolved and created who it is that she is and the work that she does. Miss Katrina Blowers, who is a news reporter correspondent for Channel 7 in Brisbane, Australia. She had a panic attack live on air. And it led her to figuring out why the stress and the anxiety does what it does to us as women. She helps incredible women who present CEOs, business women, women who need to show up as I do on camera, on screen, in front of others to let go of the anxiety so that they can stand as their fully expressed self and create impact. Katrina is so incredible, so beautiful, has an amazing podcast, and has a big message to share with you today. So I am so excited for you to hear Katrina's story. So without further ado, welcome Katrina Blowers. Katrina Blowers, welcome to the podcast, my love. This is so exciting. I am really, really pumped for this chat. <laughs> <laughs> My face hurts from smiling from talking to you because we were saying before we started that we are just like soul sisters. We, we've we connected recently and we love each other and we're sad that we don't live in the same state. <laughs> yes. But I feel like definitely we are going to meet sometime soon. I feel that in my bones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so for everybody listening, I think you have an incredible story. We we know that the listeners of this podcast and your podcast, which is about confidence as well, you know, really have a fear of what people think and 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 messing up in public and your incredible story that I read, I was just like, wow, like that is a crazy thing to come from. So maybe can you just let us know um for those that don't know what you do and a little bit about your story? Yeah. So Erica, up until probably four years ago, I had never even thought about confidence. I used to think that confidence was my superpower. And that's because I was a kid who, you know, if there was like a, uh, you know, how you put on little plays for your parents when you're a little kid, I was always like the lead character and organizing everyone. And from a young age, I was even signing <laughs> Crafts. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> Actually, why am I telling this story? I love it. <laughs> I was signing autographs and giving them to people oh. and saying, you keep this because in the future I'm going to be very famous. What a manifester you are. That is so good. I wish I would have thought of that. Wow. <laughs> And still has a copy because we've been friends forever. She still has a copy of this, you know, terrible childish <laughs> autograph that I get. <laughs> 
anyway, uh, <laughs> there's a big share that I wasn't expecting. Uh, from the age of seven, I saw, we used to always have the news on in my house. We were a big consumer of news as a family and we would sit around the dinner table and we would discuss the news of the day. So the television news was always on. And when I was about seven years old, I asked my mum what the job was of the person who read the news on TV. And she told me all about what a journalist does and um, how you can pretty much meet anyone who you want to meet and ask them any question that you want to ask them. And a fire was lit inside me from the age of seven. And I have never deviated from wanting to do anything other than be a journalist and one day read the television news. So, I um, pretty much, you know, threw myself into my English studies. I was writing for the local newspaper as soon as I could. I uh, was doing work experience at Parliament House in Canberra because we grew up in Canberra. Um, from the age of 12, I was holding the microphone out the front because the job that no one wants is standing outside in the middle of winter because it gets freezing cold in yeah. Canberra and doorstopping the politicians. It's called doorstopping when you ask them the question as they arrive for work that day of whatever the story is of the day. So at the age of 12, I was standing out there with the microphone um, you know, interviewing the opposition leader and wow. cabinet ministers. And I thought this was incredible. I went away to uni uh, and got my first job at Channel 10 in Canberra. Looked way too young to be on television. So I spent 10 years in radio, which was the best thing ever. Uh, and then took a gap year, wrote a book, came back, eventually got into television in my 30s and now I live in Brisbane and I am a TV newsreader for the Seven Network in Brisbane. So it's been a wild ride and this job has been everything that I have hoped it would be. I've, you know, covered the G20, lots of natural disasters around the world, lots of uh, federal election campaigns and state election campaigns and, um, yeah, as I said, didn't even think about confidence, you know, got up in front of the camera, would do live crosses from all sorts of news locations, rolling coverage for hours on end. And then <laughs> four years ago, I was going through a divorce. And I think no matter how amicable a divorce is, especially when there's children involved, mm. you're basically blowing up your whole life. And it's a grieving process, not only for the life that you had, but also for your partner and that dream, because no one ever gets married with the intention of getting divorced. So that dream that you had of being, you know, growing old together. So it was a really painful time. I was doing my usual trick that I did back then, which was sweeping everything under the rug. And I know that we've had a chat about this and you you said it so beautifully when you said one day your rug is going to be piled <laughs> up to the ceiling with skeleton hands snapping at you from underneath in a way that you can't ignore. And for me, it manifested in a way that I really couldn't ignore and I had a full-blown panic attack while I was reading the news on our highest rating night of the week and that 
caused me to question every single thing that I thought that I knew about confidence and start from scratch and rebuild. Oh my gosh, I have all the questions for you. No big deal. This woman's life, you've had an incredible journey. First, I think about, I want to hear about this panic attack because, you know, so many people go, oh my gosh, reading the news. I know my first time being on live TV, Channel 7 with Kochi and Sam, I literally, (laughs) they put me in the Melbourne studio with all these lights and this like microphone and it looked like I was a hostage, you know, like the send the money, please. Like, that's what I felt like because no one was in the room. There was nothing. I was just like, what is happening? And you can hear. And then it's like, you're on. And Australian people have this, especially the men, like this kind of like taking the piss funny. It's like mean, but funny thing. And I wasn't ready for it. And I'm just like, I think I just repeated what I said 50 times in my head, like when it didn't make any sense. I was like shitting myself, so nervous. So I can't imagine doing the news. And obviously you've had training and you know what to do and all that, but having a panic attack on air. So I want to, I definitely want to go back into that. But it sounds like you grew up in a really beautiful family that, you know, inspired you and pushed you for your dreams. How was your your mom and your your grow, your childhood with them? So my parents were very much, you can do whatever you want to do, but there are no free passes in life, including from them. (laughs) So very much tough love, which has taken me a long time to reconcile because for many years I had a lot of resentment about that because they would make me take the initiative with absolutely everything. So if I wanted to do some extracurricular activities like dancing or whatever, I would have to investigate, you know, get on the phone, um, get the phone book out because that's, you know, <laughs> as a kid of the 80s, get the phone book out, research all the dance schools in our location, how I would get there and back, what um, equipment I would need, how much it all cost, uh, phone them all up and sort it all and then present it to my parents and tell them what the best option was. So at the time, you know, I'd see other kids being handed things on a silver platter and I'd sort of think to myself, why are my parents not like that? You know, life is so unfair. Why do I have to always take the initiative? But now, of course, what a fabulous training because I've had to go up to, you know, name dropping here. I've had to go up to Barack Obama and try to get an interview with him after he got off stage at the G20. And if I was a wallflower or if I'd never had to put myself out there, I would have felt really weird about doing that. So it was a, it was, yeah, it turned out to be a blessing. Wow. They tr- it feels like they would have trained you for having the resilience of getting rejected and having the resilience of, of becoming resourceful, which is such a beautiful thing to have. Yeah. But also they expected, you know, if I was going to do something, um, I had to absolutely give it my best. My mum used to always say, if something's worth doing, it is worth doing well. So that included cleaning up my room, um, doing an assignment, So that ended up, I ended up becoming a bit of a perfectionist and it's taken me, I'm I'm now a recovering perfectionist because I used to still hear my mum's voice in my head saying, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And so I would redo it until it was of that standard that my mum expected of me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, it, it was a blessing, but I have had to 
embrace the done is better than perfect mantra more recently because you can't do everything perfectly, Erica, as you would know. Mm-hmm. And it's so important too in the in the work that you do because it does look like everything is amazing and everything's perfect. And if the news reporter says something wrong or they don't cut to the right thing, it's like a big deal on TV. So it's it's kind of nice that you know, she gave you that lesson to conquer now in your in your grown up self. It's like, okay, I've seen that I've been a perfectionist and I kind of can't be. And, you know, this shows up for me. How has it been? You wrote a book and we talked about this when we did a podcast with you and everybody go to the show notes because I'm on Katrina's podcast as well, which is awesome. Um, but how was that for you? And and where were you in your career um, to, to be writing this? And, and what were you sharing for that? Yeah, so at that stage, I had just finished up six years on an FM breakfast show in Sydney, which was the number one breakfast show uh, for radio in Sydney on the Nova Network. With I co-hosted with a couple of comedians, Merrick and Rosso, which was such a fun job. You know, we were getting up at three o'clock in the morning, but they made me laugh every single day. I started as the newsreader and then we just got along so, so well that I became the female co-host, which is a direction in my career that I never expected. So it was my first taste, I suppose, of (laughs) the fame that I had expected as a four-year-old when I was signing autographs for people. But (laughs) so we were on billboards, you know, I had a regular spot on the Today Show. Um, They had a comedy show on Channel 10, a sketch comedy show, which I was part of that and did sketch comedy with them, which was really fun. I was I was really the the person that the all the comedic things happened to so I didn't have to be funny I was just you know crazy <laughs> things happened to me and I was kind of the butt of the joke. <laughs> so, look, after six years of that, which was incredible, uh, I knew in my heart that journalism was my true calling. And I needed a break because I'd just been, you know, working, doing work experience since I was 12. I got to the age of 30 and I thought, I need to take a break here. So I took a grown-up gap year with my then husband and we went travelling around the world. And the book was about, it was about the same time that Eat, Pray, Love was really big. The book was about, you know, all the shoulds in your life. I was told when I left that job that I was making the biggest mistake of my career and that I would never again experience the career highs that... Who told you that? Shame on you, whoever told her that. (laughs) It was the boss of the Nova Network, and I'm sure it was just a strategy to try and get me to stay. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, that really resonated with me because, of course, it tapped into the fears that I had of am I making a mistake walking away from this incredible job that people would kill to have? And we are at the absolute pinnacle of our success here. This chemistry between the team really, really works. So what am I doing? Um, so anyway, I, I another side story to that is that I wanted to start trying for children And because I had been working for nearly 10 years in breakfast radio in one form or another at that point, I wasn't ovulating because my body just went into shutdown, getting up at three o'clock in the morning. So a gynecologist said to me, you need to give your body a break. So there was that playing into it as well. So the book is about, you know, traveling the world, seeing all these amazing things, but having those big questions of, 
am I making a big mistake? Should I have walked away at this point in time? And really listening to that inner voice and your intuition and following a path that's right for you. Mm, I'm like emotional over here, like imagining you at that time and, and being faced with that crossroads. And maybe I'm about to bleed because I get emotional right before then. But I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like it's such a massive thing for us as women that, you know, we want to have a career or start a business. And we also at some point, some of us yearn for a family and having that love and relationship and little family. And, and it seems like we have to choose sometimes like you can't have this successful career and be a mother and do this how did that feel for you wanting to do that and obviously how was your husband at the time with that yeah so he um he was very much a driver of me taking a break and leaving that job because you know it's breakfast radio is not great for relationships he was getting home at seven o'clock seven thirty at night because he was working at a big law firm in the city working long hours I was going to bed at seven thirty, eight o'clock at night and I felt like I had permanent jet lag that's what those kinds of hours do to your body so he was very much pushing me in one direction. Everyone else I felt was pushing me in another, telling me I was making this big mistake. And I was sitting in the middle feeling completely conflicted. But getting back to what you said before about timing, you know, life has seasons and it's only, I think, as you get older and you can look back and join the dots that you realise that um, you don't have to make hay all the time and that one opportunity may pass you by, but sometimes you have to say goodbye to that in order to clear space for a new opportunity that you never even saw coming. Yes, I got chills. I totally agree because the work you're doing now is not only amazing, but so important, right? And so needed in our world. Like it couldn't be more when I heard about what you did on when we spoke on your podcast, I was like, oh my God, we need to tell every single woman. I want you to talk to my mastermind. Like it's so important, right? So, okay. So that was that point in time. And then you're on the, you're on the air again, you're in Brisbane and this panic attack happens with the divorce. How did you cope with, you know, being on air and being on, right? Like the face is on, the outfit's on, you're on, but then in behind the scenes, you're like you said, your life is blowing up and there's a divorce going on. And even though it was amicable, how was that whole process of having to show up to work and put on the mask or the suit and being like, yeah, and then going through that? Yeah. So I guess up until then, I had been treating my on-air persona and getting in front of the camera kind of like it's showtime, you know? So you sit there, you put on your hair and makeup, and I almost was treating that as a separate character to me. So Katrina, the newsreader, and stepping into that character, I don't do that now, Erica. So that's one of the big things that's changed. But at that point, I was, you know, I drive up, we, we our, our studios in Brisbane are at the top of a mountain. So I drive up the mountain, I'd have my little cry, I'd pull into the car park and I'd be like, okay, Katrina, game face on, it is showtime. And then I'd sit in the makeup chair, put on my suit of armour, get in front of the camera and put on a character and perform. 
This one night, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I always get a few little excited butterflies when it, it's time for the news because, as I said to you, it was my dream and I still pinch myself that I get to do it. We have a countdown that comes in our ear and, as you mentioned, the lights are on you. You so stressful. <laughs> Anything beyond the lights, you're in a dark studio, the spotlight's on you, and it was counting down five, four, three, two. And when it got to two, my butterflies just exploded. And I think I describe it as I had so much stress in my cup, it was at three quarters full. And those little nervous butterflies, that adrenaline and cortisol that they created just tipped my cup over. So at two, I couldn't breathe. I started, I broke out in this hot sweat. I just, I felt like I just wanted to rip my microphone off and get out of there. I couldn't talk properly. And all of a sudden, we were live and I had to do one hour of live television. So I said, good evening, somehow managed to get that out. I knew that in order for my director to roll the first story so that I could get off air and compose myself, I would need to read the very last line of the introduction to that story. So I said, good evening. I said the first two words and then read the very last line. And then he rolled the tape and he got in my ear and he said, what happened just then? Did your auto cue fail? And I said, no, I'm pretty sure I just, I'm having a panic attack and I've, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I've got to get out of here. So they were beautiful and they did breathing exercises with me uh, between every story. And somehow it is all a blur, but somehow I managed to get through that hour. But for anyone who's had a panic attack, the real work comes afterwards because you then start getting anxiety about having another one. So everything was a trigger for me. Driving up the mountain was a trigger. Pulling into my car park was a trigger. Sitting in the hair and makeup chair was a trigger. I just didn't know how I was going to keep doing this job. So I had a choice. I could either quit <laughs> or I could relearn and dig deep and relearn everything that I thought that I knew about confidence and get myself back out there again. Hey, 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 this is a little intermission from me to you. I just really quickly wanted to invite you to pretty please head over to thequeenofconfidence.com forward slash podcast. If you are enjoying this podcast, I would love for you to review it. Let me know what you think. I love honest opinions. It helps more women reach this podcast. So pretty please head over to thequeenofconfidence.com forward slash podcast or go to Apple iTunes and leave me a beautiful little review. I would love and appreciate it. All right, sister, let's get back to the episode. My gosh. Okay, so that is so crazy because I fully resonate with not only is the actual situation, like you feel like you're dying or the flush is coming and, you know, this whole thing is happening live and you're also in the back of your head going, what's going on? So it's like you're here and you're there. I can't even imagine, but it's the after part that you're saying it's like you get anxiety about the anxiety or you get, it's almost like PTSD kind of thing. Did you feel like it was like that? Definitely. Definitely. And of course, uh, it hit me right where it hurt. As I, as I mentioned, I just never had to think about confidence before. It was my superpower. And all of a sudden, I had that taken away. So I was floundering. I didn't know. I, well, not only had my whole life 
changed because of the divorce. My family home was um, on the market. Uh, friendships were gone. Uh, it, my whole life was in a state of flux, but no longer could I rely on that safe haven of work to be my place of shelter. It was it was a really tough time. That is so, and, and then obviously it led you to something incredible and amazing, but how did you, what did you do then? Were you like, I need to work on this. I need to go see someone like, cause that would have been huge for you to have that first experience of what happened. My confidence just left. Yeah. So being a journalist, I decided to just go heavy on the research because that's my MO. So I <laughs> Okay, there must have been some scientific studies done about confidence. So I went on Google Scholar. I read every study that I could get my hands on. I read every book about confidence that I could get my hands on. And I suppose the very first thing that I learned, which was a huge help to me, because let's go back to this time when I felt as though it was a dirty, shameful secret. I didn't feel like I could tell my boss that I'd had a panic attack, that I could confide. Media is quite a competitive environment. We do have a very supportive newsroom where I work, but it is still a competitive environment where it takes a long time to get to those news presenting roles. So I didn't want my boss to think that I wasn't capable or that he had to worry about me having another panic attack. So I I kept really quiet about it. And the directors that I worked with that night, they kept it to themselves as well. So I felt like I was carrying this dirty secret around for quite a while. So the first thing that my research uncovered was that it is perfectly normal to feel a sense of anxiety or panic when you are doing things that are outside of your comfort zone and that your brain deems as unsafe. So it is, you know, it goes back to that whole prehistoric brain thing of um, your brain is scanning the environment for threats. And if you are in a situation where you've got that fight, flight or freeze, your brain will start sending alerts to your body and pumping it full of adrenaline so it's ready to get you out of there let's go run (laughs) so that was a big thing for me just learning that I wasn't some kind of weirdo that it was perfectly normal so then I uh, decided that I would research meditation and some breathing techniques to try and you know, get into that parasympathetic to try and calm down my nervous system while I was in the moment. So I had uh, up until that point really never meditated, maybe once or twice, but I didn't think that I was a meditator or the kind of person who would do that sort of thing or that I had even time to do it. Uh, I had a Headspace app on my phone. And I was scrolling through it and there was a 30-day anxiety challenge. And one of the things that they said in the introduction that really resonated with me is that the point of this is to not get rid of your anxiety or to get rid of your fear. The point of it is to get to the point where you are comfortable living with it and that you are in control of it and it is not in control of you. So this 30-day challenge, I think it started off being a two to three minute meditation per day and then built up to 20 minutes at the end. And I thought two minutes, I can do that. The biggest game changer 
that meditation has provided for me is that it builds up your muscle, I suppose, for having the space between your thoughts. So you have a thought and you have a story about that thought, but then meditation builds that mental muscle of being able to pause and go, you know what? Is that story that I'm telling myself about this thought really true for me rather than getting swept up in the narrative? So yeah. now I have time to meditate for 20 minutes every day and it's been a game changer. Wow, that is so powerful because you're right. The more that you kind of ground yourself, you're not living in the hype you know, oh my gosh, and worry and stress and anxiety. And I think uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza, which I love him, he says that most of us live 70% of the time in high stress. Like, Isn't that sad? Makes me like anxious thinking about that. I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're just like cortisol stricken, adrenal stricken, and just like, wow, everything's a fear of worst case scenario. And I know, you know, because working with women that we go there, what if this horrible thing happens? Yeah, We never go, what if this amazing thing happens? You know, it's like, we're just, it's crazy. Yeah. And then Erica, the biggest thing I think happened about a year ago when you were, you were mentioning before about appearing on television and how everything, you know, it's the show must go on mentality. You've got the perfect lights, which make you look flawless. We sit in hair and makeup for an hour and a half a day. If there is a mistake on air, we just have to keep going because the show must go on. And I mentioned earlier that I put on a character. I used to step into this role as Katrina Blowers, the newsreader. And so around a year ago, I decided that in order to be completely authentic and step into what I now see as true confidence, not a constructed confidence, that I needed to bring all of myself to work. So I needed to be who I am when I am reading the news. And I now treat the news as like a conversation between me and the viewer. And I am who I am. I bring all of myself to the table. And that has included going public with my story of the panic attack, because I want other people, especially other women who might look at me, they might see me after an hour and a half in hair and makeup under perfect lighting and think, what's she got to worry about? She's got it all together. This stuff takes work. And it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> Training too, of knowing how to modulate my voice so that I don't sound nervous, of knowing the body language techniques that we use in front of the camera so that we seem calm and authoritative. And I now have the great privilege of being able to teach those things to other women as well. That's my favorite part because when you said that, I was like, I remember asking you, like, how do you learn? Every person that reads the news has the same kind of like, like a a tone, you know, and you're like, oh, yeah, we learn how to do this. And it's like, that is so because I love acting. And I'm so like a performer when I was little as well. I'm like, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to meet Oprah, you know, and it's so funny, because you don't know that people go through this training and, and they learn how to stand and they learn how to speak. And, you know, if, if you're listening, and you're nervous about public speaking, you know, people that speak, they there's certain things we do and certain anchors and things that help you. And so tell me about this. Like, how did this come about you going? I want to help women do this. And, and who do you help and how do you help them? So as part of, I guess, my recovery after the panic attack, I had um, 
read a little bit about exposure therapy and how, you know, it's kind of that whole thing of just get back up on the horse again. So I thought to myself, I am going to say yes to every single speaking opportunity that presents itself to me and just put myself back out there again, even though I do not want to. So I do so much public speaking and I do a lot of emceeing and I facilitate panels as well. And I would have women come up to me afterwards and say, I can't believe you get up on stage and you are so confident. How do you do it? And I would just laugh because, you know, inside I definitely wasn't feeling that way. And I would say what I just said to you is that it's a skill. You can learn it. It's smoke and mirrors. There are techniques. And one thing led to another and I was asked to do a corporate workshop and then some one-on-one coaching with a few female leaders and CEOs. And I got such a kick out of it because... I have done media training for politicians before, but in this age of um, social media where everyone has a broadcasting platform in their pocket on their phone, people are having to step up in ways that they've never had to before. So that on-camera training is no longer just for politicians or people who would go to traditional broadcast media. Everyone kind of needs to show up with a bit more polish. So I had such an amazing experience doing that uh, and giving back. And I think the fact that I've had the panic attack means that women know that I've been in the fire. Like I'm not just some perfect person who Mm. has never had to deal with stage fright or anxiety. So, yeah, you know, they say that your greatest challenge is your greatest gift. I never really believed that, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and now it's true because people see you and it's it's easy to go your hair's amazing I follow you on Instagram and I love all your outfits I'm like I want to buy that that's amazing where's that from and you do you look so polished and amazing but for you to have that backstory and to publicly speak about it and it's on your website it's a part of your bio it's almost like a part of who you've become now which is so incredible and I think women need to they need to see that, you know, I talk about my story when I first start speaking, because it's like, oh, easy for you, you call yourself the queen of confidence, like, you're pink and this and that. And it's like, you get that straight cred and go, actually, you know, I sat in this space. And actually, this happened to me on air. And I, I know we were talking off air about how crazy my story is. But that is crazy to me, because that for that to happen in live TV, it's like, you're freezing, and people are looking at you waiting for you to say something incredible or the news. It's a very, um, it's a moment that not many of us would have. And I can imagine live TV, just the word and you explaining it. I was imagining the listener being like, five, four, oh my gosh. Like I was nervous just hearing it. So it's incredible. Do you find yourself now when you see women, especially here in Victoria, we had that whole crazy long lockdown and, you know, I'm, I'm imagining only certain people were invited to when Dan Andrews was speaking uh, to be media presenters and ask questions. And I notice so much that some of the women struggle with getting in and yeah. doing what you said, you know, asking, uh, what is it called that you said um, uh, outside of the politicians? What is it called? The door stopping? stops yeah 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 like I feel like so many women because they lack confidence or they don't think that they're you know their worthiness comes into it it's like oh oh, he cut me off I'll just be quiet like are you helping women in the media have you been able to see now when you look at certain women like hey like you can speak up like stand in your power and and say something 
Yeah. And I feel like definitely because we all have to go to those press conferences. And if you don't speak up, there is an expectation on you as a journalist representing your organisation in those press conferences, you normally have a list of 10 questions, not just your own questions that you want to ask, but from all over the network. And you've got, there's there's a responsibility on you to get those questions out, uh, particularly in a live setting, because executive producers and other journalists all around the country are expecting you to get those questions in there. So media mm. conferences are a fabulous opportunity to develop that muscle of speaking up and getting in there. Uh, One of the things that I have found lately that a lot of senior women do in meetings in particular is they, they express their uncertainty or their lack of or their imposter syndrome, I suppose, for being in that predominantly male space through the way that they intonate with their voice. So a lot of women tend to finish their sentences on an upward inflection. So they everything they say finishes with an upward inflection, kind of like it's a question and I'm not really sure what I'm saying. And that's what it puts out into the world is it's not a statement, it's a question, even when it's not a question. So that's something that I work quite a lot with women on and often they don't even realize they're doing it. Wow, that is so true. I've heard that as well. What do you think is the biggest problem for us, you know, standing in our statements, like what what you've seen? Like, what do you think for CEOs, for leaders, for media presenters, for women in business as well? Because I know that you help women in business to, like you said, now we all have social media. And one of the biggest fears that my clients like, I don't want to put my face on Instagram. I don't want to speak on the camera. I don't want to see myself on my phone looking at myself, I feel stupid, or I feel dumb, or I don't look good. Or, you know, what are one of the biggest things that you're seeing with women of not wanting to show up? The biggest thing is, first and foremost, women do not believe in the power of their own stories. So I will have women come to me and say, I would love to get out on the speaking circuit. I would love to show up more on my social media, but what do I have to say? And I will sit with them for five minutes and I'll say, I have just heard you tell me 10 different stories that have huge power and resonance. So women really doubt the validity of their own stories and the worth of those stories. Now, as I mentioned before, I have done tons of emceeing and facilitated lots of panels. So that has given me the privilege of being able to see a lot of professional speakers and former top athletes and, um, you know, celebrities who go on the circuit and tell their stories. And what I have noticed is they generally only have three stories that they recycle over and over again for different contexts, whether it be a podcast interview or a panel or a press conference or whatever. They don't have this wealth of stories. They just have three that they have rehearsed and they've got a long version and a short version. So that is what I work on with my female clients is getting their three best stories, nailing those, and then they've got them in their little back pocket and they can whip them out at any occasion and adapt them to suit. Oh my gosh, I love that. And it's so good that you said the repetitiveness, because I think when we do have a business or we we're out there trying to build something, we 
think we need all of this content and it needs to be new and fresh. And it's like the woman who watched your stories is not the same person who's looking at the grid, is not the same person on LinkedIn. They're not going to catch that episode. So we have to really be able to say that same kind of sing the same song. I always talk about Adele and how she was singing the same song at the pub probably for years. And then they're like, oh, it's a Grammy winning song. And she's like, God, I've seen this a million times. So now she knows the nuances of that song. But we're like, new song. And it's like, "Mm -mm, you don't become Adele by first time song. I mean, it's many, right? It's knowing your message. Also, we love that song and we want to hear it again, you know, (laughs) like I've heard your story before, but when you told it to me on my podcast, I was engrossed because you, you never tell the story in exactly the same way. And your story is amazing. And of course, I want to hear it again. So yeah, women in particular doubt the validity and worth of their own stories. Mm. So you are here to fix that. We are working on the same team. It's the best. Yeah. And, you know, the beauty of having worked as a journalist for so many years and having told so many different people's stories and having to, I suppose, write those for mass appeal is I know what works. Like I know what hooks and in. I know what those emotive high points are and I know how to adapt stories so that they really resonate in in lots of different circumstances. So yeah, it's it's been it's been such a joy to convert all my skills into this different way. And how crazy because when you were little you maybe never thought that this <laughs> air quotes, bad experience. You know, we think that this is why I'm like, I'm so happy. You're going through a divorce. Amazing. Somebody passed away and you're grieving. Amazing. Like it's all amazing. You guys, like all the bad stuff, air quotes makes us who we are. And then we use it. I mean, look at what you did. You transform that. And now you're still on air and you love it and you pinch yourself and you're doing the news and you get to be of service to women who need it, who can then literally change lives with your work because it changes how they show up in their business or in their in their careers they impact their teams like that experience was for everyone that you had which is incredible yeah yeah and you know uh, uh, steve jobs said that thing about you can't you can't look ahead in your life you have to look back and join up all the dots and uh yeah i'm excited to see now where the rest of these dots are going to lead and i don't know i don't know where they're going to lead but it's i'm enjoying what i'm doing so so much Mm. and you have a podcast claiming your confidence tell us about that Yeah, so part of going through my recovery and trying to get my confidence back was I would, because I wasn't uh, brave enough to talk about it publicly, I still felt this huge sense of shame. So I would confide in my friends, and uh, many of my friends are working in the media in high-profile jobs, and I would confide in them, and then they would open up and tell me their stories of how they have either had a panic attack or um, a huge confidence crisis and how they overcame it. And I just thought to myself, there's something here because we put these people up on pedestals and we think that they have this amazing, shiny life, but in fact, no one has got it all together. So the podcast was a way of talking to many people who I already know who have a big profile and meeting people who I greatly admire and having a conversation with them about how behind the scenes, it's never all it's cracked up to be. And we all have to work really hard at this stuff every day. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's an incredible podcast. We're putting everything in the show notes. Um, last question. What would you say for you was the biggest catalyst in you reclaiming your confidence? I think uh, I've got this uh, quote that I got from J-Lo, actually. Oh, I love J-Lo. <laughs> You've got to make your why bigger than you are. J-Lo told this story about how at the Super Bowl, it was her big dream to perform at halftime and or whatever it's called within yeah. the Super Bowl. And she had to go on stage after Shakira and she was standing backstage watching Shakira absolutely tear the house down. I mean, who would want to go on stage after Shakira? And she started to have imposter syndrome and she thought, how on earth am I going to follow up from this performance? And then she caught herself and she said, to herself, why am I doing this? I'm not doing this to go out there and be better than Shakira. I am going out there to show all the Latina women that it is possible to come from nothing and to perform at the Super Bowl. So her why then became bigger than she was, than her ego. So for me, and another great quote, you can't be nervous when you're in service, right? Mm. So anytime now that I'm sitting in the studio and I start to get that familiar feeling of anxiety, I think, well, why am I here? I'm here because even though there's lots of crazy stuff happening in the world, I want the viewers at home to feel like everything's going to be okay ultimately and that they're getting the information that they need to make good decisions in their life. So when it becomes about that, your why becomes bigger than you and a lot of those nerves just go away. I love that so much because I'm also obsessed with J-Lo. Who's <laughs> <laughs> not? I know. I'm like, how old are you? You look so great. And it's it's beautiful to see someone at her status share, you know, that she – felt like that from Shakira and Shakira probably felt like that from her. So it's beautiful. Um, Katrina, I love you and your work. I think you're so incredible and amazing. And I really just want to acknowledge you and thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for your, your authenticity and for sharing and showing up as you do, because you're paving the way and lighting up the house so that we can all see. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh, such a pleasure. Thank you. Hmm. Where can we find you if people want to stalk you after this? All right. You can stalk me on Instagram at Katrina Blowers or over at my website, which is just katrinablowers.com. Amazing. And they can find out all about your programs and the work that you do. They want to get involved. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, gorgeous woman. You are amazing. My love, before you go, I really want to share this incredible opportunity with you because if you're loving this podcast, then you will most likely love working with me for the next 12 months in the sisterhood. It's my year-long coaching experience and I have really good news because we have shifted and changed the pricing. There is a new offer for 2021 because I know how many people struggled in 2020 financially and I also know how much shit came up for us that we all need to be working on. So year-long coaching program, The Sisterhood, with me. You can join in person if you live in Melbourne or you want to fly to Melbourne six times a year. Or you can join online where I coach live for the 12 months. You have me as your coach. You can hit me with any problems or questions you have. We coach live for two hours a month. It is next level shit. The community is incredible. If you want to learn more, head to my website, thequeenofconfidence.com forward slash sisterhood s-i-s-t-a sisterhood 
I can't wait to welcome you. Thank you so much for listening. I so appreciate your ears, your time, your energy, and your attention. Please do me a favor and head over to Apple iTunes. Subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. Share this episode with a sister who you know needs to hear it. And if you feel called to, leave me a review. I'd love to know what you think about the podcast. I'd love to know how this information is helping you change your world. Thank you so much for being here. I know that there are many podcasts you could listen to. And I really appreciate you listening to mine. Have a gorgeous week, honey.